Hello, listeners, and welcome to Pop Screen, part of the Geek Show Podcast Network, where you have a Geek Show's dedicated podcast covering movies either starring by or about pop stars. No other podcast covers such a broad range of musical and cinematic genres, from documentaries to science fiction, from country and western to hip hop. I'm your host, Graham Williamson. I'm film critic for the Geek Show, and I also write for the British horror website horrified.com. And this week, I've been joined by. Aidan Faskin. You can also find me on The Geek Show. Uh, I work in the film industry now and um, you can pretty much, yeah, find me anywhere you can find me. I'm also on Letterboxd too, so you can find me there. Oh yes, we should plug our Letterboxd more often because, uh, yeah, it's it's a great site. Yeah, yeah, I've missed it. I've missed it so much. It's lovely. It's the social network that isn't a pain in the arse. You can use that slogan for free if anyone from the company is listening. Um <laughs> God bless you, New Zealand. <laughs> yes. Oh, New Zealand are just doing everything right. It's almost maddening at this point. <laughs> yeah. But I have this habit of latching on to the albums that artists release that are underrated or just don't make much of an impact and championing hmm. it as their true masterpiece. So until someone makes a multi-million dollar blockbuster about Elastica recording The Menace, uh, this is really as close as you're going to get to me at my most contrary and irritable listeners, because <laughs> uh, this week we're doing Seamus Murphy's documentary, A Dog Called Money. It's a film about the British experimental artist PJ Harvey recording her 2016 album, The Hope Six Demolition Project, a lavish production which involved her travelling to Kosovo, America, Syria and Afghanistan and opening up her recording sessions to a paying public to watch. And yet that did not stop The Hope Six Demolition Project being considered a disappointing follow-up to 2011's Mercury. Music Prize winning Let England Shake. Mm. Now, I think I remember, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Aidan, I think I remember you saying when we agreed to do this that you were going to go on a big PJ Harvey back catalogue dive. Now, um, that was semi-true. I mean, I have have, um, a few of them. I I have gone through a few of them. I haven't listened to everyone, so I haven't listened to Let England Shake yet and haven't, I think, is it Scenes from... Scenes from the city. Oh, stories from the city. Stories from the city. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think those are the two big ones that I haven't listened to, but pretty much I have gone through a few of them by mm. now. And so I'm familiar with PJ Harvey. And I'm, I'm going to say this right now I'm a fan. Yes. Excellent. That's interesting, though, because the, the two that you mentioned as having missed out so far, uh, the two that famously she historically won the Mercury for, no one else has won the Mercury Music mm. Prize twice, and she won for those two albums. And they seem to have kind of, I, I won't say opposite critical reputations. I remember when Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea came out, it was very well regarded. It got great reviews. Mm. And I think since then, it has undergone a bit of a reassessment. People think it's a bit too polished, a bit doesn't just isn't as surprising as most PJ Harvey albums. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I get that feeling with, like, say, like an early Tom Waits record. Mm, yeah, like where people would say that, um, say something like the Heart of Saturday Night or um, what was the one again? Like the ones that Step Right In came on, that Step Right In step. Step on up, I think the one right. where he's rambled on. Yeah, and you do think that 
like those early Tom Waits albums, right? Okay, this is very much rambling, uh, scat man do like piano man kind of thing. Yeah. Where when you look at like Tom Waits's later records, like say something like Blood Money or Alice or even Bad as Me, and I, I really love Bad as Me. I think that's I think Bad as Me is good. Yeah, I like that yeah. record as well. So where he would just experiment more with his voice and more with like different sonic sounds as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot more experimental. And I think P.J. Harvey has a very similar kind of spine, really. I think the thing with P.J. Harvey is that she just <clears throat> cannot lie about who she is and what she's doing. That when you listen to stories from the city and stories from the sea in the context of her career, it mm. comes straight off the back of, is this desire? And yeah. I Jesus, is this desire. possibly my favourite P.J. Harvey album, but not one that I can listen to very often because mm. it is harrowing. Yeah. And she made that album and she got <clears throat> it out of her system and it makes perfect sense that the next one is kind of a more upbeat, more optimistic record because she couldn't carry on any further down that path, you know? Mm. And that follows on from my P.J. Harvey record and the one that was her breakthrough, To Bring You My Love. Great album, yes. To Bring You My Love. And I'm going to say this right now, To Bring You My Love is in like one of my top five favourite albums of all time. It's it's so good. There's not a dull song on it. Like, completely killer stuff. It's one of my go-to driving albums as well. The, it's a good record to drive to. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even then, there's some flourishes of, like, from Is This Desire that you would expect to. I mean, the lead single of that, Down by the Water, that's a song that addresses giving birth to a child. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, drowning, a, giving birth to a tra- child and then drowning the child. Mm. It's not very cheerful, is it? <laughs> <laughs> And she she often complained, particularly in her early years, that people thought she was her music, that people would actually write about how, I can't believe she's confessed to, like, murdering her child. It's like, what? No, it's a song. (laughs) (laughs) Judging by that that logic, you know the song Stagger Lee by Nick Cave? Yeah, God knows how he hasn't been arrested for that yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, well... Come on, guys. They don't mean it literally. There is one, for all that I, like Aiden, I absolutely love PJ Harvey, and I am about to make the next hour or so uh, an absolutely unsparing uh, demolition of any claim made against the Hope 6 demolition project. Mm. But um, there is one very negative review that she got in the New Yorker when Let England Shake came out, which I I always go back to, and it's one of those negative reviews that I disagree with, but it's so good that I have to keep it in mind, you know? It's a worthy opponent. Uh, But Sasha Frere-Jones said that basically PJ Harvey's career is she made three albums right at the start of her career which were very stripped back kind of captain beef hearty avant blues culminating in to bring you my love yeah and yeah, then yeah, yeah and after that she just could not find a style that suited her as well hmm i'm not certain whether i agree with that i'm not because like i say my favorite one is is this desire the one she believes straight after those opening three but 
I can sort of see bits of it because after then, every album seems to be PJ Harvey does blank. You know, stories from the city, stories from the sea is PJ Harvey does pop. White Chalk is PJ Harvey goes acoustic. And I, I, think, I like white, yeah, I like white chalk a lot. Yeah, I should go back to white chalk. I wasn't struck on it when it came out, but I should probably give it another go. Mm. I, I don't agree with the idea that she hasn't like done worthwhile work outside of uh, the blues format, but I do think she is unusually great at doing like dissonant, angry blues stuff. And that is a big part of why I love Hope's Six Demolition Project because it takes her mm. right back to that sound. Mm, it does, even like going to the extent of expanding on a sound from that blues record, because there's one song on there that uh, is very, it's like note for note, like an old angry, aggressive blues song. And I've forgotten the name of the song, but it's just... There's a couple, even, isn't there? Yeah. There's a couple that use those samples from all the records. There's uh, the Ministry of Social Affairs. I think that might be the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which might be my favourite track on the album. Uh, but there's also River Anacostia, which starts but, off as a kind of a, a kind of a gospel song, I guess. Hmm. And that's my favourite song on the album. It's, it's a it's great, great song. Yeah. Um, but should we get into A Dog Called Money a bit? Because we've spoken yeah. around PJ Harvey as an artist and how um, they mean to us. Because I'm a fairly new fan of hers. Mm. And the Hope Six Demolition Project, I, I would probably agree with you. I, I, I do think that album, there's some good songs on it. I mean, I think the first time I listened to the open song Community of Hope, even though it's like a lot of them are like two minutes long yeah. in length. You know, I first initially thought, well, that does sound like a little, you know, fiddly or like a little, it, it doesn't really sound like a, like a song that packs a lot of punch. Mm. But then like, like three listens later, it's just like, all I'm thinking of is like community of <laughs> Yes. Community. Oh, now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> and I think maybe one of the reasons why it got this, uh, I won't say negative, it still got a lot of good reviews, but people thought it was disappointing was because the Community of Hope was the lead-off single, and for all it is, as you say, mercilessly catchy, I think there are layers to it that are more apparent when you hear it in the album context. I don't know mm. if that's something you felt. Yeah, I mean, there's a great quote from, I think, Roger Daltrey, the, the lead singer of The Who, where um, once you listen to an album like the first time, it's, if it's an album that you don't like at all, mm. then you, you just, um, obviously, you're just like, oh, you know, I can't stand this, obviously. Then when you listen to it like three or four more times, that's when it opens up a lot more and then your least favourite song becomes your favourite song. Yes, yeah. And I don't think that rings specifically true because... There are certain things in this where, even by watching the film, A Dog Called Money, that you can see how one influences the other. And it yeah. works totally, yeah. And A Dog Called Money, in, in many ways, is a film-length experiment in giving these songs more context, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Seamus Murphy, in his other career, is a war photographer, and he had been contacted by PJ Harvey. Um, I, I think it was, 
I don't know the exact timeline, but some point after Let England Shake, mm. uh, PJ Harvey became an official war artist. And Herb and Steve McQueen um, mm. were tapped to produce work that dealt with the experiences of returning soldiers and Britain's current conflicts. And in many ways, this is her response to that, that Murphy, who has a lifetime's worth of contacts in conflict hotspots around the world, took her to Kosovo, took her to Syria, Afghanistan, Palestine, to observe these things that she then writes about. Yeah, well, Washington well. is an interesting one because, yeah, people really took against the Washington songs. Mm, yeah, I mean, even like the music video for Community of Hope, um, and it's also referenced in this film where it, I think the music video just cuts to this um, African American family mm. uh, singing along to the song. So, and they're doing it, you know, through the use of the iPhone and obviously the just getting into the hook of the song as well. And now I'm just sat there thinking about the criticism ceiling. Well, is it no different from, you know, the later scenes that we see where mm. PJ Harvey is just like showing us what she sees? Yes, she's very literal minded when she obviously you hear the voiceover come in, like say like a person spraying incense around the glimpse of a car to ward off bad spirits in like Middle East. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very literal minded, but, you know, it's doing like what it says on the t- tin anyway. So it, it works for me, yeah. And there's part of me that just wants to be completely uncharitable and say that, look, people objected to the songs about Washington, D.C., but they didn't object to the songs about Afghanistan because the average like columnist for Pitchfork or whatever might live in Washington, D.C. and doesn't give a shit about Afghanistan. Mm. Um, there's still a part of me that thinks that I am very uncharitable about Hope Six Demolition Project haters because I think they're phonies. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I also think that when you isolate the community of Hope, you don't hear it in the context of either a film or a suite of songs that are making the case that, look, the way America treats its poorest citizens is not that different from the way that America treats foreign countries that it bombs. And America cannot bring peace to a country like Afghanistan or Syria until it reckons with that part of itself. And if anything, history has taught us this multiple times on multiple occasions, mm. whether that be Vietnam, Iraq, even currently now with um, with the Israeli-Gaza border, yeah, and take it back yeah. to here, you know, the purpose of the British Empire was to make everywhere in the world essentially Britain overseas, and Britain at that time, and it still does, have has a terrible classism problem, so it just repeated that all over the world, and I think that's a much more radical and useful point than sitting around going, I don't know, isn't PJ Harvey actually quite middle class and white? So, you know, does she have the right to do this? And it's like, well, congratulations, firstly, for your brilliant powers of observation. But uh, <laughs> I think I think the overarching point is much more interesting than any of her critics could come up with. How can this woman from Dorset have an opinion on the Middle East? <laughs> and then just like, and I'm just sat there thinking, have you heard of a person called Don McCullen? And he's from Somerset. Yes, yeah. 
And you know what the killer thing is to me is that when people say this about Harvey, not one of them say it about Seamus Murphy, who is just Mm. as white as she is, you know, just as Western as she is. But there's this attitude that what Murphy does is valid and it is you know for mm. war journalism is, is incredible you know hats off to anyone who just said but there's this yeah. attitude that 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 is valid and making art about war isn't and it's like oh fucking hell do we have to like get rid of all our goya books now or something <laughs> i don't i'd hate these people to recognize like john pilger like discover john pilger just like and he's Australian. He's he's had a career in this for like over fifty years or so. And you just think, but guys, I've I've read a book and I found out that Australia is quite racist. I don't know what we're going to do about this, man. You know, it's like that. There, there is no country in the world that is without sin. And I think what you know, by all means, if you think this is art about poverty and art about war that is done badly by all means cast it out but it it does I I just keep thinking what is the end point of this and the end point of this is a situation where the only people who can make art about Syria are Syrians and part of me thinks is yeah fine I love Fasama I think Fasama is an amazing film but Mm. part of me also thinks even this album, which is not a very commercial album, was heard mm. by thousands more people than would ever watch something like Fasama. So mm. with, without meaning to, you're effectively saying, look, art about conflict zones, art that makes a serious moral point should just be ghettoized and boxed off in its little place where yeah, I can yeah. ignore it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I, I completely agree with your statement. And I'm going to go as far to say that A Dog Called Money, I actually rather enjoyed. Well, good, yeah. I think it's... And and I think it's good without necessarily co-signing everything that Harvey does and says in this film, because, of course, the other half of her project... It's not just about going to conflict zones and writing about that. It's also about opening up the creative process. Mm. And there are some things that she's saying, some early drafts of lyrics that she's reading out on the soundtrack that I thought were really kind of obvious and crass and beneath her. But I also thought, well, that's why it's a first draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because even then you get to hear like some early glimpses as we're going back for the community of hope she's unafraid to call places shitholes when mm-hmm. they really are so um and it, it really does work because it, it opens up like this process of whether or not and it, some of it's actually quite charming as well where he could see you like dicking around with like say like i don't know what the instrument's called but it basically looks like a guitar but it has a winch on the side Oh God, yeah. Is it a is it a hurdy gurdy? I, I feel oh, like if mind. it isn't a hurdy gurdy, I want that to be what a hurdy gurdy is. Yeah, and that, and even if you think like it's like works against like the idea of like Syrian war zones or anything like that, there is still some sequences in this where you can just watch like someone just have a little bit of enjoyment, regardless. I genuinely think those studio sessions are very, very funny, and I really enjoyed watching them. I think her crap impersonation of Tricky is wonderful. Mm-hmm. She's like, I can't, I can't. 
Oh God, yeah, when they realise that, what that sounds like. <laughs> oh, oh, it is delightful. I, I really like it. And at the same time, it's also very self-reflective because PJ Harvey got a ping. Because that was recorded in London. Quote me if I'm wrong. Yeah. London? Yeah. Som- Somerset House, which I think I'm pretty sure that is in London. Yeah. Yeah. Where she allowed like a ping public to come in and view these sessions in their entirety through God's mm. Wall, obviously. And I really like those segments as well because they get this chance to show the creative process like unfiltered. Yeah. Like this is how it's like. And um, I, I really did enjoy that aspect of it because you could, Seamus Murphy just with his photography lens, like show these myriads of like different people's faces, like reflecting against the glass wall and just watching PJ Harvey and her band, you know, make some really great music. Yeah. And the other ingredient in those, which persuades me that some of the things that people complain about in this film and in the album are intentional. But the other ingredient in it is that Murphy will play out a song like uh, the Ministry of Defence at, mm. at full length. And he will put a montage of the things that he and Harvey have seen on their tours of war zones over it. And you are forced to confront the fact that, yes, the people Hardy, Harvey is writing about and not the people who were paying to see her. You know, there is a visible difference. Mm, and yeah. ultimately, you just think, what can you do with that other than acknowledge it, other than hold your hands up and say, yes, you know, I, I, I am privileged. I am lucky to be not living in a country that's at civil war. Because as much as I'd like the entire world economy system to be overhauled by PJ Harvey, I think it's a bit too much to ask of her. Mm, yeah, I mean, there's certain sequences in there that really do open your eyes. I mean, there's one bit where I think that she's in Kosovo and um, mm. she uh, stumbles upon, I think, a bar mitzvah or something like across that. So there's a guy dressed in blue and white, a mm. young boy about to get circumcised, basically. And obviously, as we were saying before, her narration can be very little minded like that. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I don't see this as like a call to arms kind of revolutionary album that some people have like sneered at it by if anything i see this as like an exploration into these different parts of these hot pockets of culture and like showing it how it can influence like a piece of art like the whole six demolition project which people have been doing for years now one of the thing one of the songs that i love the most on it uh, which sadly isn't in this film it's like the one major criticism i have for this film is i wanted this song in there but a line in the sand is effectively a song where pj mm. harvey says look i i don't know what we can do about this this whole situation is fucked and i think to to have the courage to look at this and say you know, th- this is beyond easy solutions. I've seen things that are, are not, perhaps not fixable within our lifetimes. Mm. Is, I-, I think, again, it's a more honest point than any of the ones that were leveled against the album. Would you like to hear my favourite dumb review of Hope Six Demolition Project? Yes, please, please go ahead. <laughs> It's by Laura Snapes, a music writer who I have to say I normally have a long time, a lot of time for, and I will assume was having a very bad day when this copy was filed. But for Pitchfork, (laughs) uh, let me see if I can get up the exact quote just to make sure I'm being fair here. Um, Just one second. Yes, here we are. 
By pointing out the problems in these three communities, but proposing no solutions, is she just as responsible for their desertion as the global powers that came before her? Well, it's a good question. Let me answer that. No. <laughs> what does she think she is? The fucking ambassador or something? <laughs> like, I, I have reliable intel that PJ Harvey was not consulted at all before the bombing of Kosovo. It's shocking, but it seems to have happened. <laughs> Though, to be honest, I would happily have PJ Harvey as like, the ambassador to anywhere. So. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, th there is a point where you have to throw your hands up and say she's not got much experience, but she couldn't possibly do a worse job. Mm. <laughs> but that seemed to be the tenor of a lot of it, that if you go to these places, you should come back with something that is like positive and proposes solutions and, you know, has an optimistic view that we can change the world. And I think sometimes it is necessary to say, you know, that no, it's horrible. You know, we've tried to fix this and it's made things worse. Yeah, it's like going up to David Bowie at the release of Black Star. And then saying to him, gosh golly, I hope death's all right to you or something like that. I, I, I just... don't see, you've, you've written all these songs about cancer, David, but you've not got a cure for it. Don't you think that's a bit <laughs> hypocritical? You know, don't you think you should leave people in a happier place? Oh, you're dead. Oh, shit. Well, um... <laughs> it's just like, where are these people born? It's just like... <laughs> it's... I mean, I, I love that we respect PJ Harvey enough to think that she can solve the Syrian civil war, but I think that kind of pressure would better be applied on, I don't know, world governments? Yeah, just like, not someone that, yeah, I don't get the criticism at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very narrow-minded and very naive. I think some of the, this is this is me being charitable because I'm, I'm aware I've had a lot of fun talking about people who don't like this album as though they're idiots. And I'm aware this is very arrogant of me. Mm. But I think some of it is based on just this gut level thing of seeing, as I say, this well off white woman from Dorset in the middle of Kabul and just mm. squirming you know, and just hearing these lyrics about poverty and desolation and thinking, oh, no, no, come on. And I think sometimes when these massive overreaches happen, like that Pitchfork review, it is a way of intellectualising the squirm. And sometimes, you know, maybe you just shouldn't do that. You know, I've got albums that I don't like but cannot come up with a very intellectual reason for not liking them sometimes something just rubs you up the wrong way yeah i think like the perfect example of that for me is trap mass Re uh, trap mass replica by captain beefheart which is an album that's got underground status but i can't stand the sound of yeah that just find very irritating and that's just my personal beef with and i can't really describe it and i'm not gonna like sit there on like music board forums having arguments with people saying oh you just you should have listened to it for the 34th time then just to change your <laughs> mind and i'm just like no it just sounds like a wheel of noise to me i don't, I don't like it <laughs> like, i think sometimes too you're talking about how discourse particularly on the internet has become very polarized and if you say something like I don't know, it just came off bad to me. You're meant to have a short essay 
to back up why you thought it was bad. And it's just, mm. well, sometimes sometimes we could do a lot of good just by reminding ourselves that there are things out there that aren't that good and aren't that bad. Not everything yeah. has to be either genius, it's going to save the world, or terrible, exploitative, bad. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <clears throat> going back on topic, obviously, because a, a dog called Money, um, there are various sequences in this where I did feel as if through Seamus Murphy's eyes, I mean, he's not necessarily glorifying anything that he's seeing. He's more capturing like the harsh reality of these war zones in general. Yeah. Obviously, he's had experience of this as a war photographer. And there are some sequences in here that, firstly, they look great. Absolutely, yeah. They look really remarkably stunning. I mean, whether that be hustling and bustling streets, as I've mentioned before, the guy spraying incense on the car, the the um, the big abandoned yeah. like tanks and jets that play while Ministry of Defence is, is playing are really monumental. I think they look mm. incredible. They're really, really well handled and really well shot, and you, mm. you can really tell that this guy was a photographer. Like yeah. through and through, and they had experience in this area, and I, I think it complements like obviously PJ Harvey's. Um, you know, fascination with these areas in general. Mm. They really do work in a favour, yeah. And I think the other thing that is interesting about it for me is how the album changed by being recorded in this very unusual way, where, as you say, you have people going in and watching the studio sessions and there's, mm. I've read some critics who are more sympathetic to the album say that they believe the reason why this is a big sort of thumping, noisy blues rock album and Let England Shake isn't is because mm. she was very aware of putting on a show, even when she's recording, she's kind of performing. Yeah, yeah It's not yeah. performing in the way that she did when she toured it. That was a, obviously a much more spectacular thing, but it's still a kind of performance. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, they, they complement each other very well, I find. Even mm. if there's no, it's very evenly handled. So yeah. you have like equal sequence in like these war zones, equal sequence in the recording studio. And they just complement, and it's a very well-observed length as well. I think it's like, what, runs in an hour, 40 minutes or something like that? A little under, yeah. It's it's pretty tight for for the literal and metaphorical ground that it covers. Mm, yeah, so I, I think, honestly, you know, for... And it's a very odd film for a movie to pick up as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, wow. I, I wouldn't expect, like, them to pick up, like, a PJ Harvey experiment as well like that. I think they, they've done of, a series yeah. of they, they did a series called Portrait of the Artist, didn't they? And a lot of those were very canonical things like uh, Peter Watkins's Edvard Munch biopic, which no mm. complaints about that. I think that's a brilliant film, but I did like that they picked this up because its reputation was so polarised that it was a film about a polarising album that itself split opinion. Mm, yeah, 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 and it's equally fascinating as well, and and that's where part of like the interest comes in from me because it just really did help uh, solidify how PGRV is an artist, um, that she won't really take back down for an answer. Mm. And just he, he is like he is like 
a record that is completely different from my last one. Um, let's just completely. It goes back to like say like someone like Claire Denis, yeah. where she made like say something like Beautrevi, and I love Beautrevi with all my heart. But in the next film, she's like, right, okay, it's time for my sexy cannibal movie. <laughs> I love that she did that. And I suppose now you mention it, you can see a similar instinct in PJ Harvey that a sensible career path after you've become the only person ever to win two Mercury Prizes would be mm. to think, oh, people liked that album. I should give them more of the same pretty quickly. And instead she took five years making something that is is very different and really split opinion. And that is nothing but a credit to her, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, completely agree, completely agree. Like, I, I quite like Elbow. In fact, I more than quite like Elbow. I like Elbow a lot, but I think you could make the criticism of them that after they did the Seldom Seen Kid, mm. they did not really experiment with their sound very much, that they saw that album and thought, that is what people want from us. We'll keep on that track. Yeah, and there's a few, like, through the course of history, especially rock music's notorious for it. I mean, ACDC, The Ramones... Yeah. Van Halen, yeah, they just keep to the same sound over and over again. And, you know, not to say that any of those artists are bad, I can understand the appeal and the hype behind them, but at the same time, um, you know, there, there's a different... I, I like artists who can love to reinvent themselves. I think that's where most of the fascination... Björk has the same quality as well, I find. Well, about 10 years ago, I remember I got into Elvis Costello. I'd always liked Elvis Costello's singles, but I really sat down and got into Elvis Costello. And I started to wonder why there is no one around now who has a back catalogue like that, because Elvis Costello will happily do a really stripped back blues album, then do a punk album, then a country album, then, you know, a, a, even like a classical experiment. And mm-hmm. I think it's because the record industry is so strapped for cash nowadays that you don't get those big, like, six or eight album contracts there is a security for someone like Costello looking at his contract with Stiff and thinking, and no one's expecting me to do a country and Western album, but I could do it. And if it flops, well, you know, I've got three albums before they boot me off the label if everything goes badly. Whereas mm. nowadays, you know, even the luckiest bands only seem to get three album contracts and it just makes the imagination timid. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Neil Young is great at it as well, I find. <laughs> Neil Young, who was kicked off his record label for not making enough albums that sound like Neil Young. I mean, in its own way, that's high praise, isn't it? Oh, it's just like, I think it was his argument with David Geffen at the time. Yes, just like yeah. When he made, oh, it was one of the weird recorder the albums. I think it was Trans... trans Pfizer or something like that. It was, it was a similar name to like that. And David Geffen just went to him, just went and said to him, I want you to make a good, heavy rock album. And then Neil Young just turned to him and said, right, well, I'll give you a rock album. And the next album he releases is like a 50s rockabilly album. Yes! <laughs> so it's just like, I love people like that. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? There, there is a certain irony to the fact that if you want someone who... Can, will just reliably turn out albums that sound like Neil Young. Neil Young is the last person you should go to. 
Oh, it's, it's just staggering. I love that bit. I love that story so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but it's it sort of, to take it back to Harvey, I think that one of the parts of Hope 6 that I think is most interesting is that it came out in 2016. Mm. And 2016 is famously, and, you know, listeners, you can fill the capital letters in yourself here. It was a bad year. Not as bad as 2020. I mean, looking back as 2020, looking looking back at, at obviously, with 2020 eye lens, it's just like, oh, you poor puppets. You know, I just <laughs> <cover> you. <laughs> you haven't seen what I've seen. But Hope 6 feels like one of those... Do you remember when we were doing Cinema Eclectica and it felt like around late 2015, early 2016, mm. there was like a, a, a scad of films like Green Room and High Rise and The Hateful Eight, yeah. which yeah. felt at the time to be kind of joltingly mean. And you mm. didn't... Certainly with The Hateful Eight, I remember, because Tarantino's those previous films had been kind of empowerment fantasies you know yeah yeah what if jews kill hitler what if a sl former slave kills slave owners and mm. then suddenly you've got the hateful eight which is the product of what seems to be a really pessimistic spell and then you rewatch that film after trump is elected and you just think oh yeah he kind of saw where things were going and yeah, I think Hope Six yeah. Demolition Project is a bit like that. I think she could have released another Let England Shake, which deals, I mean, it's very good, but it deals in generalities about how war is a tragedy and, you know, people die in it and suffer and they should not do this. But the fact that she released something that is so bludgeoning and which seems to be arguing that gentrification in Washington is comparable to ethnic cleansing in Bosnia. Hmm. That is kind of a gauntlet slap moment. That is her effectively saying, look, I'm looking at where things are going now. And I think just agreeing that war is a bit sad is not the weapon we need. Mm, yeah, I mean, it goes back to, I think the eye-opener film for 2016 being a bit shit was, uh, I think it was Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that literally <clears throat> dropped about... A, a fortnight before the American election, didn't it? Mm, yeah, and it was just, I mean, three hours. Obviously, Adam Curtis going like completely divulging into a history of topic where it, it, you just feel as if your brain's just been scalped out whenever he does yes. that. Yeah, it's just like, how do you have this? How do you have this much information? So, and I think. And, he even yeah. in these films, there is a joy to it. I think there is always a joy to Curtis's films because they are so, as you say, so full of information. And there's there's a kind of a joy to a dog called Money as well. I think those studio sessions, are, they're exactly what you want a PJ Harvey album recording to be like, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just not really... PJ Harvey's not being domineering to anyone. She's not talking down to anyone she's just like she is the lead lady after all but she just gets everyone together just make some really fun enjoyable music she's Maybe not, not fun, someone yeah. who she, she's not the figure you would expect when you listen to something like is this desire there's a great story about is this desire where like she recorded it piecemeal over about a year or so 
And when mm-hmm. she listened to it back, it is only about like 40, 50 minutes long. But it's a very concentrated, like, look at all of the worst times she had over that year. And she checked herself into therapy after she listened to the album because she just realized that, oh, God, I didn't realize it had it had been that bad this last year. Mm. But she's not that person all the time. I mean, she is she is taking her job seriously in A Dog Called Money, but she is having fun making this music. Definitely. I would definitely agree. And that's where my enjoyment of it reflects totally, because just by seeing how much she loves her job and how much she loves creating the art that she wants to make, it's inspiring. I'm just going to say it's completely inspiring. Yeah. (laughs) It's also like her and a bunch of middle-aged men with these antique instruments that look like something from Tim Burton's props cupboard, just <laughs> making this, just, just casually picking up these things and making these astonishing sounds with them. I think you would have to be very, very hard-faced indeed not to grin a bit at that. It is such an entertaining watch. Yeah, yeah, completely agree, completely agree. <laughs> also, what one thing, if you are on the fence about watching A Dog Called Money, uh, there are loads of songs here that did not make the album, and mm. as far as I can tell, are not available anywhere else. There is not a special edition of the Hope 6 Demolition Project with mm. these songs on, so if you want to hear them, here's your only shot. Yeah, I mean, because A Dog Called Money, you notice it on the whiteboard that mm. you obviously fills in the gaps, which is like a standard in like the music industry when an artist goes to record an album, there's usually like a whiteboard full of like the songs that they need to yeah. like, list off and things like that. Um, and one of them, you see the title of the film, A Dog Called Money. And you immediately come to respect, hold on, there was that, and obviously there's a lot more songs to this album that obviously didn't make the final cut or would end up maybe like on, as like a bonus track on like a later CD compilation, mm. things like that, yeah. So it does make you wonder, where can I hear these gems? Yeah, these... And it's yeah. the answer is basically here. I know that she is currently in a process of reissuing a lot of her early albums on... I, th- I think on vinyl, but there are CD versions um, where they have a lot of cut tracks and early demos added onto them. So presumably someday that will happen to the Hope Six Demolition Project, and maybe mm. there will be some of these like fabulously titled songs like A Dog Called Money and Cabal Mining Museum and Homo Sappy Blues. Uh, <laughs> but for now, if you want to hear those, uh, Seamus Murphy's film is your only bet. Homo Sappy Blues, what a title. I could, I could, I love that song, but I could kind of see why she thought it didn't fit the gravitas of this album about war zones. <laughs> but she, she goes to these places, and I think there is a kind of open-heartedness to this. I love when she's. I think it is one of the Afghanistan scenes where she is getting information about native uh, Afghan instruments from this elderly Afghan drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are really hitting it off. They're having so much fun doing that. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I said, there's a charm in those scenes as well. I think there's a few like that. I mean, 
just before it's the Rivera Nicostia scene where she goes to where uh, the baptism in Washington, yes. I think. Yeah. There's that. And obviously that influences like um I think like similar like vocal harmonies that are found in that song as well. Yes. So you can yes. really see how directly influenced the two art forms are here. Yeah. It's a, it, the album is obviously meant to be a work of reportage, but I think watching the film, it, it impresses upon you how much it is a work of art as well and how much it, it is filtered through her personal perspective um, mm. in, in a way that I, I just wish we respected that slightly more. I think that when you have... To, to say it for the 94th time, a middle-class white woman from Dorset. All you can really do if you don't want to ignore these realities is just to be upfront with that and mm, just to, yeah. to be honest. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I like people who do that, obviously, yeah. who aren't bullshit artists. And um, I think that's how you can attach to, obviously, say, someone like PJ Harvey or Neil Young or... Um, Tom Waits for that matter, because they just are so honest with their storytelling. Yeah. There is a there is a real integrity to it, even though, you know, there are obviously Tom Waits songs and PJ Harvey songs that are not autobiographical, but mm. there are no songs that they have written where you could mistake them for anyone else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's about covered it, really. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up before we uh, move on? No, not really. I mean, you know, for something that's so polarised, like the Doc Company, because I, I read, like, some of the reviews on movie. It was just like, yeah, it's like yeah. this album is, like, calling for a revolution. It's just like, if anything, that's doing the exact opposite. Yeah. I find. It's like, he is like an artist, like, exploring uh, the work that surrounds her, who's obviously not interested in repeating the same process that she did with her last record, and just Hear something completely different, yeah, and fresh, and that—that—that's what I find the most exciting with it. And uh, you know, I'm glad I watched it because it is a very eye-opening experience, really. And I, th- I think it deserves a lot more credit than it actually got. Yeah, I agree. I think you know Murphy's direction too is wonderfully artful, and there are some juxtapositions of footage and music that show how deeply he and Harvey must have discussed this and how he how she must have let her in him into her own creative process. I mean, the Ministry of Social Affairs playing over footage of this bored US soldier playing Call of Duty is just <laughs> spot on, isn't it? How great is that? It's just, yeah, just like <laughs> I remember that bit. Uh yeah, it, it's it's just charming, uh obviously gritty when it needs to be, but I, I don't find it like exploited of the land at all if anything it's like very very well i guess soothing but at the same time very informal and very just um knows what it's doing has its badge on its sleeve as we were saying before i think so yeah and i think some of the negative reviews i can kind of understand where they're up front and they say look i get what she's going for but it bothers the hell out of me but which is fair enough yeah yeah Yeah. you know you know that again that's that's honesty and i can't argue against honesty but um 
some of the criticism of the album and the film are just basically saying, oh, I wish she hadn't revealed that she thought this. I wish she hadn't said she was inspired by this. I wish she'd shown herself in a better light. And it's like, well, you know, it's still the same album. If you pick out your perfect example of a work of art where privileged people address the the less fortunate and you, one way you think that is done tastefully, the making of it will include the same conversations that mm. Harvey is having here because that's the process. That's how you figure it out. Yeah. And I, I don't know why she should have to lie about it. Yeah, like how people like call out Bono as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's it's someone just... who has not checked that aspect of his creative process for a long time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, that's a doc called Money, which we do recommend you watch. Um, it's a very fine film about a terrific artist. But for now, that's your lot from Pop Screen for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are on all of them at TGS underscore The Geek Show to find out what we're doing next. But until next week, I've been Graham. I've been Aiden. See you next week. Thank you.